Hey everyone, Aman here. As a quick reference, this episode was recorded on December 5th, but unfortunately, due to personal bandwidth issues, I wasn't able to edit the episode and get it out as quickly as I'd have hoped. Regardless, I hope you enjoy the episode. It's a fun one. Additionally, I would like to dedicate this episode to Shubi. This episode is all about the camaraderie and excellence he helped build. If you know, you know. Welcome back to Path to Glory, the Warhammer Underworlds podcast that focuses on competitive gaming, player development, and community growth. I'm your host, Amon Kusro, and I am not joined by just one or two co-hosts, but in fact, I am joined by six guests, all some of the best players to play the game of Warhammer Underworlds. So we're going to do a quick intro for all of them one by one, and then we'll go ahead and talk about the main topic today, which is the Warhammer World Championships. So we're going to go in order of how I see your lovely faces on the screen. And we'll start with the man, the myth, the legend from Canada himself, the guy who loves to talk a lot of smack, but has a hard time backing it up. <laughs> Derek Traquar, a.k.a. Captain Murder. Hey, how you doing, brother? I'm good, man. How are you? Doing good, sir. Good, good. All right, we're going to keep it running. Next, we have the man from France who moved to Canada and took over his local meta, Guillaume. How's it going, G? I'm good. Praise the squid. Praise the squid indeed. We're going to talk about that in a moment. And then, of course, we have... Actually, first time I met this individual at the event, but amazing player, podiumed at Warhammer World Championships, got third. Steven, how's it going, my friend? It's going great, thanks. How are you? Good, good. Thanks for jumping on. And it keeps going going. Now, of course, we have the guy straight out of Netherlands, Val. What's up, brother? You doing okay? Couldn't be better. Couldn't be better. Thanks for having me. Oh, dude, this is a long time coming, so we're happy to have you. And then next, we've got our last Canadian, as just like the actual tournament was packed with Canadians, we have a ton of Canadians on the show as well. We have David Lancaster, aka known as Beardarm. What's up, brother? Not much. I'm really just honored and pleased to be here. Looking forward to it. Excited to have you, man. And last but not least, we have the Chosen of Corn himself from the Netherlands, Willie. What's up, brother? Going great, man. It's going great. Good to see you guys again, and uh, uh, happy to be here. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, right before we were planning on clicking the record button, we were just talking about how it was nice to see everyone again. We were going around Atlanta and having drinks and obviously gaming with one another and trying new foods and some of you sightseeing as well. So would love to talk about the event as a whole. For those of you listening, I know it sounds like we've got a lot of voices on the pod today, but I think it's important because we wanted to celebrate all of these individuals first and foremost, but also... We just wanted to hype up the event. We want to talk about the Warhammer World Championships. We wanted to talk about Underworlds being represented as an equal for the first time at a major event by Games Workshop. And then, of course, some of the fun shenanigans we had along the way. But before we do all that, we're just going to do a quick round robin on what every player played, including their Nemesis deck pairing, and then maybe a couple words on how they felt their performance was, if there was any changes, any recommendations. And again, there's a ton of people on the show, but if you have a funny comment or you want to talk some smack to your bro, go ahead and jump in. This one might be a hard edit, but it'll be definitely worth it. So we'll start with Derek since we'll go in that same order. Derek, what did you play at Worlds? Do you have any things that you maybe could have changed? Were you pleased with your performance, etc.? Yeah, so definitely not pleased with my performance. As some people might know, I think I'm the only one in this group that didn't make the championship cut. So when Amon gives me a hard time, uh, boy, do I sure deserve it. I played Gnarl Spirit Pack with the Tooth and Claw, hoping to get a lot of synergy with the Beast Mode. One of the interesting things about it was that I was playing with the Alberta Aggro Vantage much more designed to just go and try and beat some faces instead of going for the objective tech with some of the other people that were using GSP had. What was interesting about it, and it sort of bit me in the ass, was that it made it very dice dependent. And that's, you know, we, we can certainly get into that later if you like, but boy, when you're playing eight matches throughout the weekend, you, you will find very quickly that you need to account for that variance. And if you don't, you're going to have some bad matchups. And you know what? I got to say, 
going into the uh, Wolverine pit that uh, was the world championships, you will be made to pay any time you miss something that you don't that you don't expect to. That is fair. I've heard Shark Tank quite a bit. First time I've heard Wolverine Pit, which I think I might enjoy more. So I love that, to be honest. Well, we're, we're a landlocked province. We have no experience. We're sharks, but we do have a lot of experience biting off Wolverines. I dig that. Makes sense why the X-Men character is from Canada as well. So cool. Well, gee, you brought a dark horse. And if you want to hear more about that, you should definitely check out What the Hexes episode where they go over the world championships. And also they interview G with his... Surprising pick, but it was a good pick. G, let's talk about the warband you played and, and your pairing and your experience. Yeah, so I brought Saturnite's Razors, a bit of a dark horse, a bit of a, you know, fresh and new warband, but one that everyone agrees is not quite top tier yet, but they have good tools. I paired them with Fortress Thralls, which is a very strong deck and that also has good tools. So the idea was... Well, if I'm going to make it out of the shark deck, I got to outplay some of the best players in the world. So I might as well depend on dice as little as possible and put them out of their comfort zones. It worked against some players, not against most of the players that are on the pod today, because I think everybody I played against AdWords that is on the pod beat me, but I still ended up beating most of the others. So overall, I'm happy with the general performance. I absolutely adore the warbands, the miniature they played. I wish they were a tad bit stronger. I think they, they could get a, you know, a couple of buffs here and there, but overall, no regrets. I had a blast playing them. That's awesome to hear. Man, you did a really good job, man. I know that talking about how the games may have not gone the way you wanted it to, but I promise you every single person who played you on this podcast and at the tournament was sweating bullets at one point because that hammer tide, especially on the longboard, man, is... It's not fun. Okay, well, let's move on to Steven. Steven, how's it going, brother? Got third at the event. What did you play and any comments on your experience? Yeah, I took Gotham's Pandemonium and I was using Seismic Shock mostly because I was really, really comfortable with the, uh, with the deck. I tried the Fearsome Fortress pairing months back and I just wasn't enjoying it. I didn't, I didn't find it fun at all. And then when, what's it called? The Force of Frost, when that deck appeared, I experimented with that a bit and actually with, with David's help online as well, we, we went through a few uh, variations on that. And in the end, I just, it, it wasn't gelling for me. And I thought there was, it had, a, it had legs, but I, I went back to what I was comfortable with. And I, I really enjoyed running Seismic Shock in the event. I had a great time. I did a lot better than I thought I was going to do. Faced far more hex banes than I thought I was going to face. And uh, quite possibly during the event, I finally learned how to handle hex bane because I, I, when I saw that I was in the group with three other Hexbane players, I was I was a little bit devastated, to be honest with you. Yeah, and that's one thing I definitely want to talk about is that group pairings and, and how that kind of affected the outcome of the event. You know, we talk a lot about how you want to get lucky dice rolls and you want to get lucky card draws, or maybe your opponent gets unlucky versions of those things. But pairings and matchups are also a big part about success at tournaments and luck. So I'm really glad you brought that up. But dude, you crushed it, man. I mean... I think you and Willie quite possibly had the hardest paths getting to the end. Yeah. And you yeah, guys we, we probably did. But we had a great time getting there, I think. We played like, each other in the death match on uh late on the on the Saturday evening. And that was kind of amazing. Dude, it was awesome and I loved seeing it. And we're gonna talk about that definitely a little bit more. But let's move on to Val. Hey. What's up, brother? How are you? Good. So I took the neck break as mad mob. So the mad mob combined with the what's it called breakneck slaughter. I took it for so much slaughter. You forgot the name, huh? <laughs> because there's so many decks now, it's hard to re remember them. So I took them and I would take them again. I would just play a little bit smarter. There's a lot of things I learned there that I could have known before, but it was kind of a last minute decision. I was playing Ephelim since they came out, but the release of the Void Curse Thralls of the Abyssos Avalanche and also the Thricefold Discord with all their gifts, I was really afraid uh, of these three things or a combination of two of those. And I thought, no, I can't play Ephilim anymore. So I went to Headcrackers also because I was on only one podcast before, which was on the path to salvation, talking about Headcrackers. And back then I had no clue about Headcrackers or the game, but they invited me. So I said, I have to vindicate myself. By bringing this warband to the world championship and perform well. And 
Yeah. I mean, you know the story. I, I won three games. I lost two games and then I got kicked out because of the tiebreaker that I couldn't control because I couldn't choose my opponents. So I think, uh, yeah, I'm, I was not okay at that time, <laughs> but in retrospect, it's okay. Uh, so I would take them again, play a little bit smarter, be a bit more careful against the stand vampires because that's the two matches I lost. I was prepared against more playing against more FLMs and more he hex explain hunters, but I, I didn't play any of them in the group stage. I played G, then I played two times the vampires and I lost against those. Then I played Stormcorp and I won, and then I played GSP and I won that too. So yeah, in retrospect, it's okay. I would take them again. No, I love that. And it's funny you said that you weren't okay at the moment because for a little behind the scenes here, we all had a group chat and then all of a sudden you just see like Valentin has left the group chat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. I'll take a minute to explain all this. And I also come to the favorite moment of, of the whole tournament for me personally, because I was really, I was really, really down when I got kicked out. I didn't make it to the top eight and I didn't get nominated for the, for the painting showcase, whatever. It was just my feeling whether it justified or not doesn't matter. I was really down. At the same time, it was my girl's birthday at home that I missed for this. And my wife called me, hey, the boy has 108 degrees Fahrenheit fever. He got pneumonia. He's really delirious and he wants to see his dad. And I was like, man, why am I spending my time with this while I should be at home spending time with my family, you know? So I said, okay, I'm going to go home. But... I tried to change my flight. I changed it from Monday to Sunday. So I, okay, I was there. I had to keep playing, but I was like, oh, I don't want to play anymore, but I'm here. Let's play. I'll just charge four times every round, stupidly, whatever, give them a free win. I was really like that. I was in my mind. I was like that. But then I talked to my boy on FaceTime and he asked me, daddy, where are you now in the rank? I said, yeah, I'm ranked nine, but it can only go worse because I didn't make top eight. But then he said, yeah, but it's nine in the world. In the world, he said. And I'm like, damn, I need to keep playing for my boy. And yeah, well, that's what I did. So in the end, I won five of my eight games. Complain about that statistics. In the Shark Tank. In the Wolverine pit. There you go. Well, Val, first of all, I think we all appreciate you sharing that story with you. Thank you. That was, that was honestly very sweet. And yeah, I mean, your, your son is right, man. You went five and three in the Wolverine pit. You're, you're nine. I mean, yeah, you're top 10 in the world, bro. Exactly. Top 10, baby. <laughs> That's right. All right. Well, David, what's up, brother? What did you play? And I played one of those hex paints that Steve ran into. I went with the Pearson Fortress as opposed to the, as opposed to the Void Curse Thrall saw a bunch of. I had a great time. I'm happy with my choice. I was just between that and Elfane's Soul Raid of Toxic Terrors. And it really came down to which paint job do I like better? And I never painted the, the Soul Raiden. I, I didn't really love the Warband, so I didn't really paint it that great. And so that decided it for me. I had a great time. I performed worse than Derek, in case he felt he is worse. No, no, I did worse than Derek. And I still had a great time. And you know, a point of pride for me, I may have lost more matches than I won, but I won more games than I lost because of the format. And no one got past me without losing a game against me. And for me, that, that kind of for me meant it like, yeah, you know, different choices here or there, different dice roll here or there, something could go a different way. My, my only regret, actual regret in the whole tournament was a misplay on my part against Mark, actually, a mirror match where in my head, I knew the right thing to do at that point, third round, third, like third round pull away was to withdraw remove his ability to score glory and just count on my lead carrying me through because I had four glory in my hand that figured five but I got I got greedy and or in my head and went and went forward instead which uh I like that 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 decision kept me out of the top eight but it's decisions like that the top level play that that's what's going to do it one one moment and I don't begrudge that loss at all I, I'm glad to have had a learning experience like that the whole thing was great meeting everyone was fantastic every opponent was fantastic
really had a great time. Very well said. And it sounds like the, what does Derek like to call it? The agro advantage or something like that? Maybe it was called well, in your name. I, I actually have some philosophical, game philosophical thoughts on that, but I won't go into it too long. Got other introduction, other talks to have. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Thank you that. So Willie, last but not least, I always want to point this out very quickly. Not only does Willie dress extremely like stylish, but he also just smells great. I know that's such a weird thing, but I gave him a hug after a very sweaty game. And I was like, why do you smell so good? I got to tell you, Amon, I've been working at the GW store for a while and not everybody who plays Warhammer smells great. So you got to try hard, right? You got to try hard. <laughs> you have to be the change you want to see. I yeah, totally get that. Yeah, I was, I was the one who always bought the deodorant that's like available for everybody. So yeah, you got to smell good, right? You have to. Yeah, you're doing corn's work there. So speaking of corn, what did you play? So yeah, I, was, it. I was playing drums, Gore Chosen, skills for skills for the corn god, right? Or as they say, and I was using Tudan Claw. So yeah, my whole thinking about choosing the war band in advance is like, I was looking for a not overly performing war band, but a war band that would perform very steadily. You know, like, like you can rely on it no matter what, and you're not going to score 20 glory every game or whatever, but you are going to score like, I would say 13 to 16 glory, like steadily and your opponent denying a lot of glory as well. So that was, was my whole thinking. And yeah, it's been an uphill battle along the way. I'll tell you it's the first two games were a loss. So that was like, ah. Uh, probably going to be out of the tournament already. And from that moment, yeah, it was all, uh, all wins basically. Yeah. Until I uh, was playing, uh, you, that was, uh, was a loss, but yeah, that was in the, in the third day, right? When we had the top eight and I think I placed number eight and you placed number one. So yeah, we were paired up against each other and I managed to win one game against you. That was for me already a, a milestone, I would say. And then you still won the game in the end. So yeah, and then again, it was an uphill battle in the snake pit or how we like to call it. And then we ended up doing the, the late night game against Steve. And yeah, that was a, was a well-deserved win for Steve and he, he had the chance for, for greatness and I was out. Yeah, that's how it went, basically. Well, I, I will have to say this, you know, our game in particular, and hopefully the, by the time this is out, the previous episode will have been released. I'm almost done editing it, but I talk about our series quite a bit in that one because I think that was my like toughest game of the entire event. I'll just go out and say that because... You saw how positively tilted I got after the game, right? We were talking about tilt during the game a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. And I was just so overcome with emotion positively that I like lost. I guess I tilted in, in a different direction than usual, right? So well, I think, I think that's, the, that's, that's one of the great things about the game that we play, like Warhammer Underworld as a whole game, I would say, is that you know, you can get emotionally in, in both ways. That's what makes it a great game, right? If it would be not like that, it would be a pretty average game. You know, why do we all like Monopoly? Because the table flips from uh, the auntie with Christmas. You remember it 10 years later, you know? So it's it's good that stuff like that happens, you know? And that that's why we love this game so much, I think. A thousand percent. Extremely well said. Well, that does it for everyone's intros. So what I kind of want to do now is kind of open it up to, you know, jump in when you want to. And, and let's just talk about the event as a whole. So for those of you who were not there or, or who haven't followed too closely online, the event was spread over four days. So day one, we had Swiss pairings divided per the groups. There was two groups. Day two, we had three games. And then the top four from each pod or each group after those five games would get in place into the top eight while the lower, I believe, 10 would go into a world bracket. So that you had the championship bracket and the world bracket. And then from there, it was pretty much fight till there's last warband standing. And so in that regard, we had players who participated on both brackets and I guess both winners of those brackets as well. So that's super exciting. I just wanted to get everyone's thoughts about the format as a whole. So each round was anywhere between three and four hours which is quite a bit. That's like an entire Underworlds tournament for some of us, right? And so having that over the course of one round was, I think, a bit of a challenge. But 
the reason that happened was because they were trying to make sure all games, the results were uploaded in the right time frame so that it felt like truly an equal and conclusive event per round at least. But I just wanted to get everyone's thoughts on the format. Did you like the round timings? Did you like the group pairings? Did you like the format of the event? What are some things you would change? I, I want to say that I uh, I enjoyed the length of the games, to be honest with you. I mean, there was a bit more gap between games than, than we needed, perhaps, because we were timed to match the, the 40k and AOS games. But the length of the games did mean that we were able to play in a relaxed manner and actually come to a natural conclusion without being forced into, okay, well, this one's a tie. And, you know, we, we finished the games and that was great. And, and I got to be honest, I, I enjoyed the double elimination of the, the top eight bracket. I secretly loved the, the marathon that culminated in me and Willie playing on Saturday night. It was, it was kind of amazing to play so many games all in one day and just be like, okay, let's go for dinner. Let's come back and let's play this final death match before we figure out which one of us has to get up in the morning and do it all over again against Cyril. So it, it was, it, I like that. Yeah. If I can add to that, what Steve said, like, because you had so much time for every round. Yeah, it was a very relaxed atmosphere and, and the death matches, I think the best example, we, we just discussed with the judges like, Hey guys, you want to start now or you want to start on time? And they were all very relaxed about it. And then Steve and I decided like, okay, let's go for a romantic dinner. You and me, and we get some nice, uh, Southern food and we talk together, we go there and then afterwards we, uh, we kill each other basically. Like uh, Fel and I, we, we went to a tournament in Germany, I think about half a year ago. There was also a three-day tournament with a lot of games. And that was like, the tempo was just killing it. You know, you, you weren't even done and you were already playing the next one. And then three days is very, very rough on your, on your mental well-being, I would say. And not a lot of socializing as well. And this event really gave us a chance to... Yeah, to, to talk to each other and to check out with the other games. And for me personally, I really like the fact that they had this narrative event as well. And you would see all these crazy costumes walking around. And uh, yeah, I, 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 I liked it that they gave us a lot of time. I think if you ask somebody from 40K, they will say something different because they had a tight schedule in the end. But for us, it was very relaxed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if I, if I may add to this. So the three hours per game is good for several reasons. One, you can play the best game you can. I know playing on a tight schedule can also be a challenge that a great player has to master, but still, if you want to play the best game, it's better to have more time. Plus, we had to play three games every time, so that you need more time than just the usual 90 or 120 minutes. Plus, it's also making it more social because between the game, you go upstairs to your room, you relax a bit, you come back fresh, you have time to socialize within these three, four hours, which is very, very important. I think, I think that was the, the best thing anyway, to socialize with the people because there's people you never heard of, you know, like the girl from Australia or the, from the guy, the guy from Mexico, Chile, even on Vessel, we have no contact to these guys. So socializing is really great. And the three hours give you that, but you also asked about the group, the groups and just to give the people a background, there were 17 players qualified. So they put nine of those players in one group, eight in another group, and they had a ringer, Zach Nukem, great player. It was great to see him there. And he, he basically made the group one an even 10 players, which is kind of, which is okay because nobody should get a buy in a world championship. Nobody should get a free win and then go to top eight. On the other hand, having a 10-player group and an 8-player group made it harder for the people in the 10-player group to make top 8 cut than in the 8-player group. Because in the 8-player group, you had three wins, like really, you went through. In the 10-player group, it wasn't like that. So I think that that was a bit, that skewed a bit, the fairness, I think. I don't know what you guys think about this, but uh, that's, that, that's my thought about it. Well, why don't we open it up to Derek or G or, or David, right? Like, what are your thoughts on the event? Like, do you agree with some of Val's thoughts here? I mean, and again, this is just an open discussion and, and you know, we can share some of this feedback with GW as well. Yeah, I, I think he's absolutely correct. Having the uneven pools, it definitely did skew things. I was in the eight person pool. You know, I would suggest that there, there wasn't 
you know, I wouldn't say that there's an easy game, no matter how you did it. So it really just depended on how you were going to do in your matches. The one thing about it, we did only have 17 qualifiers that were able to come. I know that GW had more events. It's just that either events got canceled or people couldn't make it. And they wanted to make sure that we had our event. They wanted to make sure that they didn't tell someone, nope, you can't come. Was it elegant? Nope, absolutely not. And I'd say not even fair, but I think it was their best solution other than inviting two more people who had not qualified. The reason why Zach was brought in as a ringer was that he's local to Atlanta. He is a great player. He's done a lot for the community. He's running, if I recall, the Warzone Atlanta event, as well as the Cherokee Open. So, hey, I, I would rather add him than either have people have a buy or anything else. I, I just don't have a better answer than what they did. So was it fair? No. Do I have a better idea? No. Yeah. So, so Derek, I, I actually disagree with you about if there would be another option because <laughs> I see a middle finger now. No, but I think what they should have done because they wanted to make it so universal with all the game systems, they basically used exactly the same rules and formats for every system. And the ones they use for Underworlds doesn't work for a small amount of people. So it works perfectly like 40, 50, 100, 200 people. Of course it works, but with such a small player group, what they should have done, in my opinion, is just make two pools if you want to make that, but then make a top eight out of the two pools. And that could mean that five people of group one would go through and two would go through. Or actually in pools of six, still had everybody have the five games and then go from there. So yeah, yeah no, you, you proved me wrong right away, Willie. Yeah, I think they should have put some thought into that and not just go blind on the, on the system that they, because. To be honest, I think uh, Valentin was the greatest victim of this uh, uh, system, not because he's my fellow Dutchman, but yeah, it was just a bit weird, you know, Val and me, we were already cheering and hugging each other like, hey, we're both true, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like half an hour later, like, oh no, I'm not true. And it was like, it's, it was a bit of a weird situation, I would say. But other than that, I think if they're listening, I think the judges were absolutely fantastic for the tournament. I really like these guys, had some great conversations with them as well. And they did a hell of a job. And like overall, the whole experience was just amazing. I completely agree. The TOs were amazing, John and Brian. Thank you so much again. And definitely added to the experience of knowing that we had two people who were well versed in the game. And if they didn't know the answer, then you would see them both put their heads together, pour over every rule book, every errata until they could make a fair decision. And oftentimes it was just helpful because there were moments where maybe one person did know the answer, but it was like, hey, let's just have the TOs involved just to have a clear blanket understanding and, and decision. And they were super supportive in that. So I'm really glad you brought that up, Willie. David, you've been a little quiet. Do you have any thoughts? And then we'll jump to G after. I love the format. I, you know, me, I could, I could probably play more games in a day. I did like I had a bit of like the tournament knee-jerk reaction when playing some of my opponents who were taking their time, finding things out. In my mind, I'm like, come on, hurry, we got to go. We got to get these, these games in. And it was nice to be able to stop myself and be like, no, they can take all the time they want. I'm going to sit back and just let them not get on their case. And so I think it, it helped, especially when maybe sometimes language barriers could be there, that uh, rushing people through was not an aspect of this event. There was no, there's no bit there. I, I fully second the feeling on the, on the judges. They were prompt to the point. And I don't think anyone was ever in, when it came to like game judging, ever had any dispute with the judge other than like, is this the question? Okay, that's the answer. We'll move on. I thought that was really impressive. I, I guess my thing for like the, how competitive each pool is, I think we had a kind of a special moment in time where losing two matches and winning three would get you into the top eight. I feel like in the coming years, that may not be good enough. I think we're going we're gonna to see that the, this whole tiebreaker thing might come into more of an issue. And so I do think that uh, GW needs to take some time, examine where, they, how, where and how they want this to land. I still think it was great. I still think I had a good time. Yeah, I think it's very interesting you bring that up as well. And I think that's a great point. The event is only going to grow from here. Unfortunately, yes. 
first time we did it, Underworlds is notoriously known, and that stigma is now changing, but known as a smaller game, the smallest of the four big games by Games Workshop. But I do know that the events team did have high hopes for Underworlds this year. I mean, they were expecting more than 20 players, and they were hoping to get around 32, which would have been the ideal size. But unfortunately, whether it was because, as Derek alluded to, qualifiers got canceled or people just couldn't attend. There's only so many paid qualifier tickets, the golden tickets, right? And they use that term interchangeably quite a bit, which we've had conversation on just alone. Actually, in fact, I was thinking over the weekend, we were debating the exact term, but golden tickets, and at least my head, are you get some portion of your trip paid for by Games Workshop, whereas a qualifier ticket gets you a seat at the table, but you got to fund your own way there some way or somehow. So I think there was a lot of questions that were answered, but David, I think you're absolutely right. You know, if let's say the event doubles in size, three and two is not going to cut it. You're going to have to go four and one. You might even have to go five and oh, if it grows up even more, right? I mean, if you go to 40K, anybody who went four and one didn't make top cut. You had to win all your games in AOS and 40K to make it to the top cut. You had to go five and oh. So I think we joked about this on one of our dinners, but it was like, what's the optimal strategy? And it was like, just win your games, you know? doesn't matter how many, just try to win your games as best as you can. And so that makes me excited for the future. But gee, what are your thoughts? Why don't you round out this portion of the episode with your thoughts on the... Yeah. So so first first of all, about the, the pool thing, obviously it's uh, always a little bit frustrating where both pools are not equals to begin with. I was one of the other players, the third one being Damien, that, that ended up three and two. And uh, I got over Val in the champ bracket, despite the fact that Val beat me in our head to head. So, so obviously like the system played in my favor in, in that, in that particular instance. And I kind of felt bad about it only for a moment, obviously after I, I focused on, on the competition, but I mean, the rules were laid out from the start. We knew what was going to be the, the, the first tiebreaker in the strength of schedule. I think what GW should have done is realizing, okay, we have 17 players that is coming. This is not how you build a competition. Go back to Nova, to the podium, go back to Adapticon, to the podium, go back to the, those big conventions. It's like, okay, we only have one player from that, from that competition. Probably the second and third at that event are solid players. Just give them a ring, see if they're interested. And then you start your event at 20 players. If one of them cannot make it because of international travel, then you have to ringer. But it's starting with, okay, we have 17 players. So if everything goes well, we need the ringer. That's probably their mistake to begin with of saying, instead of saying, if something doesn't go well, we need the ringer. So that's, that's what I would have done differently in terms of pools. So we start for sure with two pools of tents. And if one of us cannot make it because of, because of travel restrictions, disease, anything, then in that case, you're bringing the ringer. In terms of the pace of the event, I quite liked it as well for the same reasons that everyone mentioned. And I will also say that it helps differentiate the world championship from other events. Like you, you immediately had the sense of scale, uh, obviously because of the location, the other game systems, the people that were there, but even in our comparatively small group of other words, players say, okay, we have a much slower pace. We have more time to focus on our games. And this is a different format. It's not your two day grand clash or one day five game nemesis tournament that we are very, very used to. It's, it, it felt very different. It felt like a major event and the, the pace helped a lot in that. So I really loved it for that. You know, well said. And I think that summarizes most of our thoughts in regards to how the event went. I mean, at the end of the day, like the one thing that I want to stress is this is the first time we were treated as equals. Underworld's got its spot in the sun, if you will. It was a pillar of the event. It was a pillar of Games Workshop and Games Workshop celebrated us in a way that I think I've never, at least from my experience, I've never seen in five and a half years of this game coming out. So I was just really proud to be a part of that. I was so happy to share it with people like you guys, right? Amazing folk from all around the world and got to meet people like Christine, like Martine, you know, like Sylvester from all over the world who are playing in their own communities and earning their region's qualifier spot, right? And so really excited to see how the event grows. I guess what I'd like to do now is kind of ask general questions and keep that theme going. And then maybe we'll just do some fun questions towards the end, but trying to be mindful of everyone's schedule here since there are seven people on this, this episode in different time zones, especially. But in terms of 
the one favorite part of the event? I'll just call your names and so you can give me your an answer. But I guess, G, what was your most favorite part of the event overall? So, and I don't know if uh, many people are going to have the same answer, but for me, it was really the the hype around the rankings, like the the country rankings, how they, you know, put this uh, system together that was uh, maybe a little bit over-engineered in some aspects, but very fair with everyone there so that they could hype it and say, okay, this is really a world championship and we want to, to make it feel like it. So sure, we're still, you know, uh, young or not so young adults pushing toy soldiers and having uh, a lot of fun doing it, but it, it felt meaningful and I really, really loved it. So for me, that would be the, the highlight overall is how they decided to make it an international event and to make it count, even if sometimes it was a little bit complicated and not always comprehensible. Uh, I, I think they did great in that regard in the end. No, that's awesome. The country rackings were things, something that I didn't necessarily thought I was going to enjoy. But it was cool to like see which countries were top for game system, but then also the overall event. So before Derek starts screaming, congrats to Canada for winning the Underworld's country standings. Derek, I see you getting excited there. Any thoughts? What was your favorite part of the event? Sorry, sorry. I was uh, just polishing my, my trophy here. Yeah, as a matter of fact, the country standings, so to, to give everybody a, a little bit of a background on this, when they announced that country standings was going to count, I went into a, a little bit of gamemanship mode and started literally yelling at Games Workshop and our community to make sure that we had Canadian events. And I had a goal. I had a dream that we would be judged, not just by the quantity of our Underworlds players, but by the quality of our underworld character. And I got the idea that going down to the Las Vegas Open and sending Damien down to the U.S. Tacoma and having, and I, for the life of me, I still don't understand how we got away with this one, having the Alberta Classic get three qualifier spots. We, we wound up getting six Canadian uh. in an 18-league pool. We, we did all get our own hockey jerseys. There, there's a few pictures of this. And boy, I, I got to tell you, hashtag Canada stands. I, almost a year ago, I remember yelling on your podcast, on how we we're going to do that. And I'm, I'm really proud of how we did it. Now, I do get that none of us won the, won the whole thing. Congratulations, Amon. You are the apexual predator. But, you know, we... Our, our nationalism showed through and we were extremely proud to be able to hoist our flag. We are the pound for pound. We are the greatest country in the world when it comes to Warhammer Underworld. Yes. I mean, you know, we can't deny that. Facts are facts, my brother. And for the next year, I mean, I really wish we weren't all on mute just so you guys could hear the listener. At least I'd look at everyone's faces and they're just cracking up. But, you know, we muted everyone for the sake of editing. But Yes, Derek, Canada is the number one country in Underworlds, at least for the next year. And unless you can stuff the ballots again. I, I mean, stuffing ballots uh, appears to be a choice sport in Western democracies. So, Facts, facts. Well, I'm going to go ahead and jump in real quick and say that my favorite moment was Derek at the award ceremony. I think that was some unheralded activity, and I loved it so much. My man had a couple too many beers, I think, and was just, he ran the whole corner poor underworld this one man was louder than the rest of the hall and i loved it and when you you won and you picked up mike brant that to me was i was dying i was crying from laughter it was great and so that was probably my my favorite single moment from the event but let's go to steven you're asking to pick a favorite single moment of and it's so difficult it's uh you know, could it be the time that I forgot the, the barge function existed through the entire tournament? I mean, I think that was all of us. That, that's, <laughs> um, or what about trying Beverly at World of Coca-Cola? I mean, that's, that's truly an unforgettable experience as I think David can attest. Anybody who goes to World of Coca-Cola, you must try Beverly from Italy. It's, it's an outstanding experience. Meeting all of you guys, having a great time playing the death match against Willie was, was amazing. But on a personal level, I, I, I found something in my head after I qualified because I think I was fighting imposter syndrome the whole way through. Unlike all of you guys, I didn't really earn my, my, my qualifying ticket. I was second in Tacoma. I had third at minis and mayhem in Vancouver. 
And the reason I got my ticket was that the guy who was supposed to go couldn't go. So I was probably fighting a little bit of imposter syndrome the whole way through until after I, I, I actually beat David, which was kind of a miserable way to, to qualify in a way because David and I had been practicing and chatting a lot before the event. And, and, and then I defeated him on, on, on Friday and I was, I, was, I was in and I was just sitting there like all wrapped up in my emotions for quite some time. And after that, the event became the most stress-free thing ever. Like I'd never played in a tournament where I didn't feel stress, like I didn't feel it on the Saturday. I just sat there and everything was amazing and, and I played a lot better. And it's probably a lesson that you can take away to, to a lot of life because the stress was, was wrecking my head and it was probably wrecking my sleep and making, making me feel that I, I wasn't doing a great job. And once the stress had gone, everything was amazing. Everything was amazing. And I had a much better time. Regardless of whether I was winning or losing, I was going to have a great time after that. So I guess stress ruins everything. That's, that's the lesson I got. And I got that from the, from the event. Well, I, I'd like to say this. I, first of all, thank you for sharing that. But I think every single person on this podcast, and I think every single attendee at the event can attest to the fact that you 100% wholly deserve to be there. Thank you. you know, sometimes like life works in mysterious ways, but you were there, the universe put you there and you rose to the occasion and dude, you got third. I mean, you podiumed. You were the, you're the third best ranked player in the world for a year. I mean, that's insane, dude. That's not an imposter to me. Yeah, it, it, it's unbelievable. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm there now. Um, I wasn't there at the beginning. Well, that's awesome, man. And I'm glad that you were able to get that confidence. And so also number one Canadian. Yes, that's very important, right, Derek? Canadian on top, you are. All righty. Well, let's jump to someone across the pond here. Willie, what was your favorite moment from the event? Yeah, it's funny that Steve is talking about the stress. Like for me, I won a golden ticket. The EFL snatched the tickets from the British in Warhammer World. That's why there weren't any British, let it be known. But uh, yeah, for me, it was, you're one third, one third. We talked about this. <laughs> but for me, there was no stress. Like being there was already like, like a prize on itself, I would say. So I was very relaxed going into all the games and yeah, I got to agree with Steve. That's, that's, that really helps you play your games a lot better. But for me, the absolute coolest moment I would say is, well, meeting Derek after like seven years or something, where we met for the first time in Scotland, uh, during a Warhammer tournament, uh, in the Shakespeare era, I think it was. Uh, so that was for me, uh, a cool moment. Uh, and having dinner with Steve before the, before the, 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 that match was also like, oh yeah, this is, this is, this is fun. You know, we're having dinner and afterwards we're going to kill each other. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And very Quentin Tarantino-esque, I want to say. <laughs> yeah. So we have David and Val, you guys haven't gone yet, right? No, I haven't gone. I will say my favorite, my favorite part of it was actually, and I hope they, as this grows, they find a way to build this in that feeling of not being knocked out game one. I mean, I didn't, I didn't lose my first match, but the having that tough match and not, not being like it's all over. I do hope that we don't go full 40, 40k and have it be that the only way to make the cut is to be undefeated because I think it just, again, coming to what Steve and Willie were saying is that it helped reduce stress and helped kept, keep everything very gentlemanly and very, very sportsmanlike the whole, ter the whole time. And Val, your favorite moment. Obviously meeting all the people and especially you among was, was the best part, but there was another great part I want to mention, which was actually like knowing that I qualified for it. I think that was the greatest moment. And here I'm going to have to take a few minutes to tell you the story because me and Willie went to Nottingham 2nd of September to play this rivals tournament, six rivals games to qualify. And after we both had won our first four games, we hadn't met each other. We went for a walk in the parking lot and really said, let's make a deal because we were led to believe by some GW guy that the winner will get his trip paid for himself and a plus one. Only the winner gets the golden ticket, gets to qualify, but he will have a plus one. So Willie said, let's make a deal. If we meet each other on the way to the final, and one of us wins the final, he promises to take the other one to Las Vegas. We also thought it's going to be Las Vegas. <laughs> I don't know why, but then, so listen to this. Game five, we don't meet each other, we both win. 
So we're both in the final. And, and we already, we thought, completely wrong, but we thought we were both already going to Vegas. So we were on the WhatsApp group to all our Dutch guys. We're going to Vegas, baby. We're going to Vegas. You know? <laughs> but anyway, so then I also have to mention this. So I wipe him route three activation one. He's GSP with my ethylene. I wipe him. He thinks I won, but I couldn't score anything anymore because I had like make two magic spells, damage to enemy fighters. Couldn't score anything anymore. He won by one glory point. The bastard. But anyway, we were both happy. We thought we we're going to Vegas. But then they said, yeah, sorry, there's no Vegas and there's no plus one. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, no. But may, I, may I break into the story, man? I got it. Ben and I, we know each other for quite a while now. And he has a rough journey going to the top, man. There's a lot of moments in your your Warhammer career that, uh, yeah, that, that, I would say you were unlucky uh, a few moments. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so then after the tournament, they give him the golden ticket. I go to the guys and they say, yeah, but listen, is there an opportunity to still go there? Can I buy a ticket? Can I just go there? And they said, hmm, I don't know. We'll have to write to the guys who are organizing it and we'll send you an email in two days. And two days later, I get an email from Zach Congratulations for your golden ticket. And I had tears of joy, literally tears of joy. And I think that was the greatest moment I had in my underworld life. Oh, dude, that's amazing, man. And we loved having you there. And, and you showed out, man. I mean, you won five and you won five and three at Worlds, bro. You deserve to be there and you crushed it. And so I'm hoping that you get that validation. But of course, you know, love to see everyone next year as well. Before we jump into some fun questions, and I really appreciate everyone sharing those personal anecdotes, is there anything else that you want to talk about from the event perspective as a whole before we jump into some more underworld-centric fun questions, yeah. the time that we have left? The the big thing that I'd like to mention, and a, a few of the guys touched on it, the community that we've built. We're we're small, but we're, we're close-knit. I mean, some of you guys I, I've known for years, whether it's, it's getting to meet out of tournament or being in contact or discord, you know, I, I got to tell Steven for, for a guy who had imposter syndrome, I, I didn't know this until we were there. He actually put a little S on where the captain's place should be on his Jersey. And I didn't know why I thought it was for Steven. It was actually for substitute. Right. Cause he didn't feel that way, but uh, you know, he, he is the best Canadian. He is the greatest of us all, but, uh, something, something a little more personal to me. I, I won my first game against Mark Baconborn, which I, I think was a, a lot of luck and, and maybe some good play. And then, uh, I lost my next three and, and I was pretty down to it. And it, it was funny cause Amon, you, you called me in the middle of the games, dragged me out for lunch. You know, I. I don't know if, if uh, our, our psychic bond uh, was calling to you to, to let you know I, I wasn't doing that well, but uh, you sort of dragged me out and made me eat some food and uh, sort of sort of rallied me a bit. And then uh, I get I get there and Dave uh, sort of says to me, Matt, don't go quietly. And I, I mean, that, that's always been a, a little bit of a rallying cry when you're when you're losing the game on the pitch to the other players. And it's just one of those things you you have this support network, even though everybody was competing, everybody wanted everybody to succeed. My, my analogy for this, you know, we're, we're all a bunch of sled dogs. Yeah. We want to be the lead sled dog, but everybody's still pulling in the same direction and everybody in this crew pulling that same sled, you know, and uh, damn, I, I love you all for it. No, that was really well said, man. And, and we love you too. I mean, it, it was, I think for me, like I could go to the city that all of you live in and hit you up. And I feel that the limited time that we know each other that you would be like, Hey, come stay with me, you know, and I would do the same. And I, and I think that's amazing. Like you can't say that about 40 K you can't say that about AOS, maybe kill team, but I doubt it. Right. Like pound for pound, we have the best community and you guys are my friends and I love that man. And, and I hope that the world's does travel. I would love to go hang out with Willie and Val, you know, in the Netherlands, have an event there. I would love to go to Poland and hang out with Carol and Sebastian. Australia. I mean, Christine was awesome. You know, she drank quite a bit, but she was fun. You know, so it was cool. And 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 I think that's very well said, Derek. 
Anybody else have anything to add? It's kind of hard to follow that up. Yeah, so just to uh, answer to uh, Stephen's point, I did barge three times during the event. There was a moment where I should have barged. If you recall, G, you were like, why didn't you barge? I was like, I forgot that exists. <laughs> David. Oh, I just, I think we've touched on it. I just want to touch on it one more time, just about how good that field was. And I mean, everyone there was bringing it. I don't think anyone walked into any matchup saying, well, this is going to be an easy win. Was not the same experience you might get, even even at Adepticon, where sometimes the, your first match or two might be a little bit easier. This was real high-level play all the way through, and it was just an impressive thing to watch. It's such an honor to be part of. I'm As someone who didn't qualify for one of the eight qualifying tickets, I'm going to be searching. I'm going to be chasing after this coming year so I can be there next year and uh, displace all of you. And... If I may say something, this is something that could be improved on is having transparency on all those golden ticket events, because I only knew in Europe, there was one in Nottingham from the GW side and one in Bratislava. And I knew it because the guy who organized it, I met him at the world team championships in Germany before. But I never read anything about that event on an official GW page. There must have been an event in Poland, at least one in France, and maybe others too. I never heard about any of those. And I think for the world championships, there should be more publicity and transparency on those events. There should be a fixed number of, let's say, 48 or 36 or whatever number of qualifying spots and it should be perfectly visible to anybody when and where those qualifying events are and how many gold tickets or qualifying tickets there will be there because that that would be professional i know it's been the first time and it's great they're doing this but they could improve this for the next time because i give you one one thing that i think went wrong in bratislava one guy from poland won he said right there on the spot, I can't go in November to Atlanta. And that was it. I, I sent them an email. What happened to the second place, uh, to, the, to the gold ticket? And the first guy didn't want to go. And then we just forgot about it. They forgot about it. You should not forget about a golden ticket. And you chose down the second guy. And if he can't come, the third guy and the fourth guy and whatever. But please... Don't waste those golden tickets. They're so precious. You're absolutely right uh, with that. And also the one thing that that I found a bit disappointing with the tournaments that they would have all these streamer setups for streaming all the games. And Underworlds got zero streams, I believe, or one. But I think it was zero. And I think... You know, if you want this game to be a success as a company as well, they got to put more uh, promotion on it by putting it on streams, by making sure the golden tickets are there, by promoting the golden tickets. And that's the way we can grow the game. Because for my personal experience, like this Thursday, again, I'm going to teach a new guy the game. There's a lot of people want to play the game and with the nemesis formats uh, it's gonna be and the, the rivals formats it's gonna be much easier for everybody to start picking up the game and once you got new people in i think the competitive community will have the potential to be much bigger as well you know but they gotta put more effort in it that's for sure that's fair and i would say keep in mind that this is the first time that gw has done something or even attempted to do something like this before right and so you're absolutely right. I think both your criticisms are fair and, and, and others as well. But, you know, I'm sure it'll be better next year. That's the hope, right? All right. Well, it sounds like those are our final thoughts on the event as well. I'd just like to sum up in saying I had a ton of fun. It was great seeing all of you. It was great hanging out with you guys. My favorite, I loved how we went to like random restaurants at night and we would try things out. We went to this cool burger spot. The, the bar on the day of Sunday where we just kind of all got together maybe had a little bit, at least I had a little bit too much to drink and we were just sharing stories. I think that was really fun as well. And that just reinforces some of the points you guys made earlier, which is that the human element is so important and so necessary in these events. You know, like, yes, we play online. Yes, we practice online and we talk through Discord and we chat and we text, but 
seeing each other in person, getting to know you, getting to see the person, getting to live alongside them and play games and, and have fun is great. And so super thankful for that experience. And if no one has anything else to add, I just have a couple more questions that we'll do very quickly in rapid succession, also maybe known as rapid fire, and then we'll jump off. All right, I'm going to just start reading names and we're going to go. Willie, what's your favorite warband of Underworlds of all time? Garrick Reavers. Okay, I like that. Val, favorite Underworlds warband of all time? The Wild Hunt, baby. The Wild Hunt. Love it. G, same question. I think I'm going to have to go with Siren Eye Razors. Really? Of all time? Oh, yeah. That's how much I love them. That's amazing. That's commitment. Derek. I, I really have to go with Narosphere Pack. I, you know, just, just go on beast mode and playing the aggro way that I was born to live. I love that. Steven. I'm going to say FLM and it's because I tried so many others in the run up to the Tacoma event and I wanted to use something else and I, I couldn't beat myself playing with FLM with open cards. And so I, I'm going to go with FLM. I love the shenanigans at the beginning. Okay. David. Oh, you know, the beautiful, sexy, appealing worm spat. Dude, you've kicked my butt with worm spat online. And I would love to do it again. I'll have to see what I can do with it. I love that. Okay. Another question. David, we'll start with you this time. If you did not bring Hexbane's Hunters to Worlds, what would you have brought instead? Elethane Soul Raid with Toxic Terrors. Easily. I love that. I was surprised. Was anyone else surprised that they weren't there? Not after looking at the field. I think they could have shut me down pretty badly. I was quite surprised to not see some warbands and to see some warbands. Like the vampires, they really surprised me having two there. Yeah, what was I was uh, missing? I was expecting some more Mad Mob maybe as well. So yeah, there were some nice surprises, I would say. I agree. Willie, if you didn't bring the Gore Chosen, what warband would you have brought and what rivals deck would you have paired with it? The Gore Chosen with Tooth and Claw. Oh, you're not, so you're just not changing the answer. Oh, right. Okay. I have to change the answer. No, I, I don't know, man. It's yeah, Once you ask this question, I, I'm going to answer to this later. Ask the rest first, please. I need to. Okay. I can do that. Well, G, we'll jump to you. So if it was not for Avalanche, Abbasov's Avalanche, I was considering Tristan Fortress Loving Courts or Breakneck Slaughter Iron Eye. Those are spicy. I like that. Val, what about you? I already said I was thinking about Ephilims, but then I didn't like them anymore. And I was briefly considering just saying, what the hell? Iron Skulls, boys, break next order. Yes. Embrace the chaos, <laughs> the destruction, rather. That would have been legendary, no matter what the result. <laughs> Dude, I think everybody would have just given you best sportsman from the rip, just because that's amazing. Derek. Hey, so I'd actually practiced quite a bit with Darnton's Force of Frost. The reason why I didn't go with them was because their, their lack of bonus spellcasting dice, I felt was going to make them too unreliable. And I thought that they were a trap in such a, such a high level tournament like this. And you know what? I got to say, it's the only time I've ever been wrong in Underworld. Because apparently they're pretty good. I've, I've never been wrong about a medical or what player or a mistake or anything like that. So Again, I wish the listeners could see the videos or, or if we weren't on mute, because the reactions to that were great. Steven, rounding us out. If you didn't bring the pandemonium. Ripper's Snarl Fangs with Tooth and Claw, and I'd have been going for the turn one kill on everybody. Ephilim, Headcracker, or Domitown, or whoever I could get within reach, I'd be attempting the turn one kill and then, you know, putting my luck in, putting my faith in the dice. And then probably getting really badly hurt right afterwards. That's a cool choice. And yeah, I was actually surprised for a Nemesis event. No Rippas, no Toxic Terrasol Raid. That's very interesting. Okay, two more questions and I'll let you guys go. You got to ask Willie. Oh, that's right. Willie, we have to come. Well, I don't know how long do you want me to come back to you for? Are you ready? I'm, 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 I'm good. It's, I, I totally agree with the Ripper Snail song. That would be my second choice as well, yeah. I dig it. I dig it. Okay, Derek. If there is one warband that you would love to see in the future, whether it's a number of minis or a specific faction or some sort of cool mechanic, what would you like to see? So I've always really liked the cities of Sigmar. I know that we do have Hexbane's Hunters, but between the Silver Tower Warhammer Quest game and the Cursed City Warhammer Quest game, 
you can build some really interesting sort of parties in that. I would like to see that reflected a little bit more. I, I think it's Sigmundson is one of the cities there. Having a couple of those new human gets or the ogre with the dude who's shooting from the crow's nest, you know, with, with a little bit. And that's really what I would like to see in a warband coming up. That's cool. Kind of like an old school hero quest style warband where it's like an elf, a dwarf, some humans, things like that. That's yeah, cool. very, very much so. I dig that. I dig that. Steven, what about yourself? Chaos dwarfs. No question. I love the old world chaos dwarfs. And I mean, the really old ones, like the, the crazy, wacky, uh, nasty designs, the, the bull centaurs, you could get some really cool stuff in there. And I don't want to see like one or two chaos dwarfs and a bunch of hobgoblin slaves. I just think that it needs to be dwarfs and they should be competitive and powerful. And, and one of them should be a bull centaur. I dig that. Okay. So David, very excited to hear your answer here. I don't know. Aesthetically, they've been really knocked out of the park with me for most things. I don't know what, I want something new, the same way that, uh, the Scats Wild Hunt was new, like it's a whole different aesthetic and expense, stuff like that. And play style wise, I gotta say the flexibility and resilience of Hexbane, I wouldn't mind seeing that repeated into something else. So again, with like relatively fragile, interesting models to fight, but with like kind of crazy upgrades to go with them. So that's what I'd like to see. Nice. Nice. Willie. Right. So I'm a big uh, sucker for Warhammer 40k lore. So I would love to see a uh, Warhammer uh, 40k warband. It's not going to happen, but would be nice. And game-wise, I was always a big fan of the uh, of the goblins with, with some dangerous weapons on there, you know, like playing them hyper-aggressively while holding those three objectives. Uh, I would love to see some weapons return to the game that make those smaller warbands a bit more valuable. You know, making a stick it a damage tree uh, monster is always a good thing, I would say. That's actually an awesome idea. They could take the whole Amberbone Gits playstyle and turn that into a future warband. That's sick, where it revolves around just weapons. That's a cool design. I like that, Willie. Val. Yeah. I don't want to repeat what has already been said because I just played Hero Quest today with my boy and three of his friends. And a Hero Quest warband with those four characters a barbarian, a dwarf, a mage, and an elf would be great. But what I would like from TW is these spider guys from Warcry, the Territorial's Brood. Those would be sexy. I think they could turn a lot of those Warcry warbands into Underworld's warbands easily. The one pushback that I've heard that makes the most sense to me from a design perspective is that they have multi-weapon options, and that could throw off the fact that, like, does he have a spear or does he have a net, you know, or something like that. But you could just make it like spear and net, so it covers both, you know? Hey, hey guys, may I interrupt and say that uh, Warhammer Underworld still makes the best models out of the whole GW range. Uh, let's let's be real, right? Uh, all these other games, not the same. I agree. I think Warcry's close, though, with some of their stuff. But yes, for sure. Last but not least, G. I think we're due for a Silver Length Warband. It's been quite a while now that the Guardians have been released, and there's a lot of cool stuff to explore in the range, either like a big boy tree, Colonel Hunter type of thing, because we don't have any big boy warbands for order or the new, you know, revenants with bug wings that they have. So we, that would be based more on, you know, either fast aggro or movements, KG type of stuff. So that, that's what I would like to see in the future for sure. I love that. And my final question to all of you before we end the session, this is a fun one again. We'll start with David. What is your most hated Underworlds fighter? That's rough. Why, like, any reason? Any reason. You know what? I just, Rothgorn always got on my nerves. I don't know why. Rothgorn. I pick Rothgorn. There you go. It's a good answer. I'm looking at Derek directly when you say that. I was looking for his reaction. <laughs> Derek, I see you laughing. Most hated fighter in Warhammer Underworld. You know what? For for me, it's Ratspike and Grubbiter. It annoys the crap out of me that when I go out there and I, I kick a puppy and I don't get a, a glory for it, man, it, it, may, it hurts me a little bit inside. Yeah. 
no, I, I think that's valid. Is uh, I can be. Fr- I mean, I agree. It's frustrating sometimes, but it's good design for sure. G, I hate Kaden with a passion. Everybody playing Kaden against me seems to roll crit smash, crit smash, crit smash all the time, and I just uh, never really succeed against the Reapers. So yeah, that's my answer. What about you, Val? In general, I hate any fighter who has in their warband deck a card that says. Play this after a friendly fighter fails an attack. Attack again. So death warbands. So Lady Harrow, I think in particular, but the Roth gone also. Oh my god! Because it's like, okay, he rolls a he rolls a success. I roll a success. I'm like so relieved. Oh, attack again. No, I just hate that. And uh, exactly all those warbands, all those fighters, and all those warbands that have this card. That's funny, Stephen. Amos and his strength at woodcutting. No further statement at this time, Your Honor. Amos is very annoying with woodcutter's axe. Willie, last but not least, what are your thoughts? So yeah, I gotta state the obvious, right? It's gonna be Aslim. He is the most annoying guy in the whole game. Let's be real. You all guys, you took him because he's OP. That's why you all took him. He's very good. He's very good. Actually, you know, I used to hate Molog, but now that he's not really that scary anymore, I think for me it's Goral. Why is he on two block off the rip? You know, it's just so hard to kill, but that's great. Well, guys, I really appreciate the time and the energy you guys have put in. I know it's late for some of you. Any final thoughts for anyone maybe looking to try to compete and qualify for next year? You know, you'll hear on the episode that will be released by the time this is out. But I think one of you guys mentioned it here, David, I think it was you that the top eight did all requalify for next year. And so that's very exciting for all of us. But what that means is that it opens up spots for other players to go to events and qualify as well and try to get those golden tickets. Now, of course, keep in mind that if one of those top eight wants a golden ticket, they'll have to go fight for it to get that trip paid for. But sounds like, you know, in theory, we could have a maybe double the size of the event next year, which is really exciting. And I know that they're opening up more events, more qualifier spots, and they are going to do more European qualifiers and South American qualifiers as well. So I'm really excited because while it was dominated by North Americans, it wasn't dominated by Americans or English people, which you would assume two largest areas of, of Warhammer. So I'm confident we'll have plenty of Canadians, but let's get some more other countries in as well. But any advice or tips to anyone before we, we close this episode out? Yeah. So first of all, if you have a healthy, even if small local beta, Run an event, apply for a qualified spots, pick out the top dog in your local meta and send them to Atlanta. So the, I, I'm sure, uh, as you said, uh, Amar, if you get in touch with uh, the events team, if not a golden ticket, they can probably at least give you a qualifier spot for your event. And if you don't have a local meta, just travel, go to events, get that spot. Because uh, I mean, we were at the event, we all agree. It's amazing. You want to go there. So get there, get your spots. I, I have to fight for my spot to get there next year. I'm not giving anyone any advice, yo. For anyone who thinks they might be playing against Derek, he'll be playing Tooth and Claw on Narl Spirit Pack. So there you go. All right. Well, that's going to be it for this episode, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. I want to thank each and every single one of our guests, Derek, Willie, David, G, Stephen, and Val, for pulling up, hanging out, giving us your time, and demonstrating not only why we have one of the greatest communities on the planet, but also that it's a fun community as well, and we all get to hang out and have fun and talk about the game we love so much. So until next time, the lads here are going to wish you the best of luck on your Path of Glory. 